Well, if you brought your Bible with you today, get it out. If you have a Bible app, go ahead and get that going. You ready for some good word? Are you ready for some good word today? I said, are you ready (laughs) for some good word today? I think I heard someone that time. Find with me, if you would, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We are a responsive church, aren't we? Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Look that up, if you would. Uh, You know, I put some of these verses for you up on the screens, and some of them I don't. We just put the reference up there, and that's, that's done intentionally. And, uh, and the reason for that is I want you to be invested in what we're doing. The Word of God will produce a life that is amazing, that is outstanding. And God's Word will change our lives forever and continually. And, and, uh, but we have to be invested in it and we have to take it seriously. Huh? This, is not a, this is not entertainment time. This is, I mean, it's fun. It's exciting. But this is, hey, let's Let's get to business here. Let's get to work. And let's let the Spirit of God reveal truth that makes us free. So look with with me, if you would. Once again, I want to continue in a series we've been teaching called Go Big Before You Go Home. And you understand what that means, right? Okay. Uh, Some of you do. Some of you don't. Uh, let Let me back up. Responsive church means that there are physical demonstrations or outpourings of emotion <laughs> in response to things said and done in the service. So, so nods are okay, smile if you can, if you have any faith whatsoever, smile once in a while. Yeah, go big means don't go small. We're talking about going home, that's just a simple reference to uh, going to heaven and uh, before we do that, before we go and stand before our big, big God, we want to live big, big lives here on earth. Yeah, and not small, insignificant, doesn't really matter, non-influential lives. No, God wants to do things on His level in us. I mean, we're a child of God, not a child of Mickey Mouse, right? And, and so God wants to do God-level things in your life. And so what I'm endeavoring to do is expand our mentality, in, the, in, the, in this teaching. So let, let's get up to speed here. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Notice that language. Why is someone restricted? Not because of something on the outside, because of something on the inside. Yeah? Never blame your smallness. Never blame limitations in your life to, on other people or on God for certain, but always look, it's inward. That's the issue. That's why we can work on that and repair our lives and make them great by changing inwardly. Amen. He said, now in return for the same, I speak as to children, you also be open. King James Bible uses this language, uh, uh, our heart is enlarged. Be ye also enlarged. Yeah, that's the word for us. Be enlarged. Now listen, once again, the Message Bible reads that passage this way. Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. 
We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. Praise God. That's the will of God. That's the plan for our lives. And so if we're going to do this, live this open, large, expanded, big, 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 wonderful life, then it starts with us recognizing the way that God is. Okay? If I, for example, think that He's small, holding me down, he, He's a little thinker, uh, and I'm endeavoring to be like Him, then I will emulate that. Okay? And many times people do that. They wouldn't necessarily articulate that, but their vision and view of God is very small. Their vision of their problems is big, 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 big problems, little, little God. Right, uh, But it needs to be reversed, and we need to see Him in the way that He truly is. And so He is, when I say we need to see God the way that He is, the nature of God, that's in all of His bigness, okay? He does not skimp and cut corners or do just enough. He is a generous God. He is referred to, and this is correct, as the God who is more than enough, He's not a get by, just barely make it through, hold on to the end, slide into heaven by the skin of your teeth kind of God. No, He is a big, abundant, generous, loving, faithful. He's a big, big God. You might remember Philippians 4.19, which reads, And my God shall supply all your need according to what? your wallet <laughs> according to your riches in your bank account right no uh, that's not how he supplies our needs he supplies them according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus if I have a need that needs to be met should I be more conscious of my need or of his riches in glory if I am always staring at my need, my need will be the, the influence, will be the big determining element of my future. But if I am always staring at His riches in glory, then my need becomes minuscule. My need becomes easy. My faith is expanded and it explodes in that environment. You've heard me say it before, but I'll say, I'll say it again. The way that faith works is, is not that it stares at itself. Not that it is self-observant, but it is focused on the object of its desire. You, you cannot see your own eyes. Give it a try. Your eyes do not see themselves. Your eyes see what they're pointed at. Right? Faith does not look at itself. Faith looks at what it's pointed at. So my goal and my desire is to stay focused and keep my heart directed towards the large, generous, abundant, massive, all-powerful God. And when I will keep my eye on Him, what happens to my faith? Boom! My faith is through the roof. 
But if all I'm doing is mindful of myself and I'm thinking, I don't happen enough and I'm, I don't, my faith is too small and I struggle with this. Yes, you do. And you're totally right. And you'll continue in that pattern for the rest of your days until you stop looking at yourself and stop, stop analyzing your own faith and start looking at the promise and looking at the provision and looking at the largeness of God Almighty. What are we here to do? We're here to get our focus and our fix our gaze only on him. Amen. Amen. And so we want to look to and look and look towards our big, big God. That's, that's my goal here today. I'm just giving you this up front. That's my goal. I want to get everyone to see how big God is to whatever degree I can. And I can only point you in the right direction and then let his spirit go boom on the inside of you. Yeah? Because if you will be mindful of him, your faith will soar. If you will be cognizant of his blessing, then you'll, you'll do well. We want big faith, big love, big vision, big giving, big effort. And we do this by looking at our big, big God. As we do, it works in us. As we see this, it works. But watch, there'll be opposition. There'll be opposition that'll come from your own unrenewed mind. And as I share some things today, there'll be some thoughts that, that come against and say, whoa, 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 whoa. And, they'll, and they'll, you'll try to question God's word. But no, don't let it happen. Resist. <laughs> let the word of God reign supreme in your heart and in your mind, and God will get bigger in you. Amen. I was thinking about the universe. Anybody looked outside on a, on a clear night? And, and you were amazed at the vastness of the universe and, and, and how small our planet is in comparison to the universe around us. Some of the stats that we've, we've learned, and I don't know who has the tape measures to do these things, but uh, someone figured this out, and I guess until I have better information, I'll accept it. But that, the earth is 93 million miles away from the sun, million miles Right? And the sun is one million times bigger than the earth. A million. Can you imagine? That's a big, big light out there, isn't it? It, it takes uh, over eight minutes for the sun's light to reach us. You know, you turn on a flashlight and you go, boom, and it's on the back wall. If you've got a nice bright light, boom, and you, you can see it. It takes over eight minutes for the sun to, to get to, uh, for that light to get to us. Uh, when we leave our solar system, of course, we find out that uh, our star, our little, our little star called the sun, uh, and its planets are just one small part of the Milky Way, this galaxy. Um, the Milky Way is just massive, huge city of stars, so big that even at the speed of light, it would take 100,000 years to travel across it. All the stars in the sky and our sun are just some of the residents of this galaxy, uh, along with there's millions of stars that are so too faint for us even to see. You know, they say that some of the stars that we're looking at, we're seeing their light, that light that we're receiving right now left that star before Jesus was born. They're just that far away. Amazing. And so... We live in this big, big galaxy. Of course, then there's the universe that I can't even wrap my brain around. 
I mean, we can't even comprehend the massive size of the universe. And it's there. You know, someone said, I can't believe what I can't see. Go look outside. You can see. <laughs> I can see it and I can hardly believe that. I mean, it's just like, I can't, it's so massive. You can kind of get a picture of the way that God is. He thinks on a pretty big scale. You know, they say, again, I don't know how they measured this, but that the universe is like 46 billion light years across. Traveling at the speed of light take 46 billion years to, to span the universe. That's a while. <laughs> and our big, big God created this because He wanted to. I don't know what He all has in mind for the future, but probably a big plans. Amen? And then He reveals Himself to us on a personal level. In Scripture, over and over and over again, we see that different names are attributed to Him that reveal aspects of His character and nature. Uh, one of those, and this is, this is from the Hebrew language, it's the, it's the words, two words, El Shaddai. All right? El Shaddai. Let me give you that definition first. You can read about that. That's, for example, in Genesis 17 and verse 1. But usually they're translated over into English as Almighty. Uh, but it's, El Shaddai means one who is mighty to nourish, supply, and satisfy. One who sheds forth and pours out sustenance and blessing. All sufficient and bountiful one. Think about the God you serve. You know, we often say, Lord, I worship you. God, you are great in my life. Think about Him, not just in the sense of how we've always viewed Him. Maybe you have a physical image, and of course, He does have hands and feet and face and so forth like that. But instead of just picturing Him in that capacity, picture Him as His definition. Who is God? He is the all-sufficient one. Not some-sufficient all-sufficient. He is mighty to nourish and supply and satisfy. He's the bountiful one. He's the one who runs the cup over, not just fills it a little bit beneath the top. He's an abundant God. It is by His very name, by His very nature and character, He wants to do more than we need. He wants to exceed the need, go beyond what's required, and pour out abundance and blessing. If ever there's a thought that God wants to keep you small, keep your life limited, and ba just barely making it, barely getting by, wrong. That is a demonic definition of the character of God. He is the opposite of that. He is a big, big God. He's the one you serve. He's the one you gave your life to. And He is El Shaddai. Now, when you break this apart a little more... Uh, El is a word and Shaddai is a word. El means God, okay? Shaddai, interesting, means breast, okay? And, and that, that word is used to describe and define God. It's interesting. Let, let, let me read this verse to you from Genesis 49, 25. Uh, this is Jacob basically prophesying to his kids at the end of his life. Uh, by the God of your Father who will help you, and by the Almighty, that's Shaddai, 
by the Almighty who will bless you with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lies beneath, blessings of the breast and of the womb. And you see this language about, again, they're about the breast, and and then that word literally means that. How does that play over into our understanding of God, and how does it uh, relate to us? Well, you think about a mother's breast to her child, to her infant, to her newborn. That child gets everything that it needs as far as nourishment and, you know, food, vitamins, minerals, whatever. Everything comes through that mother's breast. The child doesn't need to take a supplement pill, right? Hey, your newborn baby, 10 days old, here, give him a vitamin. (laughs) No, the child gets everything it needs through its mother. And this is the picture of our God and how He works towards us. Everything that we need is abundantly supplied in Him. If I have a relationship with El Shaddai, that's a good relationship. Amen. And I come out fully satisfied, fully nourished, fully supplied, lacking nothing, missing nothing. I come out with abundance. Amen? Amen. Look with me, if you would, to the book of 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, uh, chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. I want to take a look at this verse. You may have read it before. If you have, good for you. If you've never read this before, uh, get ready, get ready, get ready. This is a good verse. But let, let's look at it uh, slowly and consider it, ponder it, meditate on it. Again, to what end? Our goal here today is to see our big, big God, to see the ample supply that He is. In Genesis 9 and verse 8, it reads, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. Now, notice the word, notice the language there, the verbs. All abound, big words. Uh, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Do you like that? This is God towards you. Read it with me. Do you have a Bible? New King James Bible. If you have a New King James, read it out loud with me. Here we go. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. I tell you, it wouldn't, wouldn't do you any harm if you read that and meditated on that every day for the next month. And just took that and read that every day, read it slow, read it fast, read it loud, read it quiet, read it again, read it again, read it again, meditated, thought about it, told a few other people about it, huh? And let that bigness of God get inside of you. Now, let's read this again from some other translations, okay? Listen, watch, look at it on the screens. Uh, Moffat translation. God is able to bless you with ample means so that you may always have quite enough for any emergency of your own and ample besides for any kind act of others. Ample. What kind of God do you serve? Ample. Listen to the Knox translation. 
God has the power to supply you abundantly with every kind of blessing so that with all your needs well supplied at all times, you may have something to spare for every work of mercy. Leftovers. Abundance. Take a box home. Amen. Philip's translation. After all, God can give you everything that you need so that you may always have sufficient both for yourselves and for giving away to other people. Do, do you see this in, in God's revelation of Himself toward us and towards the needs of our lives? That in one sense, I could say it this way. Let me say it multiple ways. He doesn't want to stop with just the need. That's not who he is. I just want to keep you at a low level as long as there's enough to get your power bill paid, get your house payment, get your, get your, your basic needs, basic survival. As long as you have that, then, then, then that's all that God wants to do. Blah! You did not get that from the Bible. You did not get that from God's revelation of himself towards you that that's what he wants to do in your life. That's not the way he is. On the other hand, he is wanting to give us enough for ourselves plus. Enough plus. If you were to define need in a different way, consider needs this way. I do not have my needs met until all of my stuff is paid for and I have money ready to give to others. My needs are not met with my needs met. Because part of my need being met is my need to be generous. My need being met is there I have a built-in God quality. God's working in me need to give to somebody else. To give to the ministry. To promote the gospel. To help someone else who's, who's, who's down and out. That's a need within every one of us. Amen. If we think for a moment, we catch ourselves saying, well, I don't need much. I just have enough for us and me and my family. As long as we get by, and then I'm fine. Ah, not fine. Selfish thing. <laughs> we're not fine until we're generous. We're not fine until all of our stuff is paid for, needs are met, we've got money, and we're able to bless and we're able to give. That's a big God working in us. Amen. I know uh, whenever you talk about things like this, there are people that, that get squirrely and mm, they're uncomfortable with it and they're uncomfortable with it. It's because it's often it's because money is their God. And sometimes religion has taught them negative things about this that are totally unbiblical. And you think about it, if you were the devil, what would you do? If I was the devil, I would try to keep God's people poor. I would try to keep them thinking small. And anytime someone came, anyone tried to poke their head up and succeed in life and prosper and do well and they, they, they're becoming generous, I'd get everyone else. I'd try to get everyone else to criticize them and get everyone else judging them. And judge some, someone, you know, have you ever seen people that, that have something nice and others judge them? Say, ah, you shouldn't have that. That's way more than you need. That's way too nice. You shouldn't live in that house or you shouldn't drive that or wear that or, or, or these kind of things. And, and they become judges of everybody else, which is totally ungodly. 
You should, you should give. You should be giving that extra away. You shouldn't have something nice like that. How do you know that's not the way they got it? I'm thinking, uh, I'm thinking of the words of Jesus where he said, give and it shall be given unto you. What else? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. He'll give back to you. So maybe before someone is critical of how someone else, what someone else has, they might wonder, how did they get it? Now, if they stole it, then I'm all, all aboard. I don't think you should steal. <laughs> if you stole something, you should give it back. That's just the word. <laughs> and repent. And stop stealing things. If you manipulated someone else, fine, you need to repent. If you got it in some uh, wrong way, then I, you know, then I have something to say about that. But anything else, I don't have anything to say about it. I don't have anything to say about what anyone has. Whether they gave their self to it, whether they worked themselves toward it, whether someone else gave it to them for free, amen. That kind of stuff, we, you know, we like that. <laughs> That kind of stuff happens to generous people. They give stuff and stuff is given to them. That's scriptural. What happens if you keep living that way through your life? You're going to end up with more. And you're going to end up with a big, big God being big, big, big in your life and very generous towards you. Everybody okay? All right, same verse, Amplified Bible. Amplified Bible. And God is able to make all grace... Every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnish in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. That's God working towards us. He's doing that right now towards you in your life. Huh? Working to get this revelation inside of you of who he is and what he wants to accomplish. Hallelujah. Now, if you read the scriptures, you'll find out that half of the verses in the Bible about money are promises. Promises of blessing. And half of the verses are, are, are warnings. Are warnings about money. In other words, God wanted, to, God wanted to bless you and I so much that it would be dangerous. Amen. That's the way that he thinks. Hallelujah. I know I was, I was speaking at another place a while back, and, uh, and I had been ministering, and something along, somewhere along the lines of what I was, I was teaching, uh, I had said something about the blessing of God versus the curse, and somewhere along the line, I used the phrase, just off the cuff, wasn't even planning on saying it, but about God putting money in your pocket. Okay? God wants to bless you. He wants to put money in your pocket. And I didn't think much of it. I thought that, that would be a blessing to me. It would be a blessing to them too. So I said that. Anyway, uh, there was a guy. There's always that guy. <laughs> In the, this place afterward who caught me, caught me after, after the service. I'm happy to talk to him. And, uh, and he said, you know, he was bugged a little bit by it. Bugged a little bit by me saying something about money in your pocket. And I analyzed it. I thought about it. I said, Really? that's so bad? Anyway, he, he said, well, what would you say to someone who just lost their job 
you know, really had it hard, and you're talking about God doing this for people, and what would you say to a person like that? I said, I'd say, I'd say that's who that I'm talking to. That's who I'm trying to help. I said, I'd, if he was really hurt and gone through a lot of bad things, maybe I'd give him a hug first. And love, maybe, as the Spirit leads me, I'd put some money in his hand and live this out. Huh? But to think that that's a contrary message to someone who's struggling or someone who's poor or, or someone who's doing in, in a bad place, it's not contrary to them. It's exactly what we need because we got to get rid of small inside and start, and, and start seeing things in a, in a bigger way. Amen. You know, a guy years ago uh, told me the same thing. He came came to me and said, no, you should never have more than you need. You should only just have basic needs. Uh, And he was a believer thinking he's speaking the word of the Lord. Uh, And uh, I said, well, you know, what happens if you give, though? It'll be given back to you. If you're truly doing, then God's word will work in you. So if you give down to your basic need uh, or even below that, God's going to abundantly supply that. What do you do? And, and I guess he, you know, thought, well, you just have to keep it out of your life at all times. Otherwise, you know, whatever, it's, you're wrong in some way. And then later, I saw him at a restaurant. And uh, he didn't see me, but I saw him. I thought, huh, but that meal costs a little bit more than that can of soup he could have got. What are you doing living in abundance over there, man? (laughs) Letting God's blessings bless you with a meal that someone else prepared and brought to your table, filled up your drink on command, huh? (laughs) You could eat way cheaper than that. See, why am I saying that? One, it's true. It's hypocritical. People are often hypocritical and judgmental when it comes to this areas of what other people are supposed to do instead of dealing with their own life. And what's your relationship with El Shaddai? Or do you have a relationship with El Cheapo? <laughs> because that is an incorrect <laughs> understanding of who God is. Amen. Let me show you a uh, couple more things. Go to Genesis. Genesis chapter 12. Can you take a little bit more? Genesis chapter 12. I want to give you a full meal deal. And come all this way just to be cheated on the message. In Genesis 12, this is talking about a guy named uh, Abram, or whose later his name changed through covenant to Abraham. In Genesis 12 and verse 1, it says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. No, no, wait, who will make him a great nation? God will. God's not saying, I'm going to reduce you and turn you into nothing. No, you come in and obey God, and he wants to make your life great. Great, big, not small, little, insignificant. Yeah. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I just want you to think about how God wants to work in our lives. Abraham is set up for us, even in the New Testament, is pointed to as an example of faith. 
an example of how we should live, how we should believe when it came to his belief and faith in God. He said, do it like Abraham did. And this is how God worked in this great example that he wanted us to see. Thank God for living examples, physical evidence of God's blessing. But he said, look at Abraham, do it like him. And over and over when I read about Abraham, I read these, these type of, of words. Chapter 13, look, chapter 13, verse 1. Then Abraham, or Abram, went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot with him, Lot's his nephew, uh, to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. Well, certainly the Lord will bless you with spiritual riches. Uh, and that's what he wants us to be blessed with, spiritual riches, but not natural stuff. Well, that's not what he pointed to as an example of our faith. Abraham was spiritually dead. He was pre-Christ. He couldn't be born again yet. He was spiritually dead, but yet God blessed him abundantly. And he blessed him with what? Silver, uh, in livestock, in silver, and in gold. I know you read that kind of stuff. Some people get irked again. There you go, talking about stuff. Talking about natural blessings. Yes, and we're reading scriptures. This is Bible. And whenever someone irks a person too much, they probably, it's because it doesn't fit in their small container. You give a promise, and it's a big promise. It's of a great big God. It's of a generous, extravagant, loving, faithful God. And we try to put it in our little small box that says, this is my God container. And I can fit El Chipo in there, but I can't fit El Shaddai in there. And when El Shaddai tries to get in there and bust out of their El Chipo container, then they start lashing out. Eh, eh, I don't like this. And the spirit of contention gets in them, and a complaining, and, the, and, the, and judgment, and everything else. It's because they got a problem in here. Everybody okay? This is what we want to do is break that open. And say, I want to let God be who He says He is. Not who religion has taught that He is. Not who my experience has taught that He is. I want God in His fullness exactly the way He revealed Himself to me. Be God in me. And don't let anything of my mentality limit His blessing and His favor and His power to work in and through. Amen. Obviously, we're not talking about... Uh, and you know, most of you know this, but I'll just say it for, you know, grumpy. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're not talking about someone being materialistic. We're not talking about someone just being naturally minded and, uh, and selfishly motivated. And, uh, not at all, not in the slightest bit. We're talking about yielding to our extravagant, abundant God and being a generous people. But thinking on the level that He thinks. In chapter 15... Chapter 15, notice verse 1. 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Well, that sounds maybe a little bit uh, vague to us, exceedingly great reward. But in the Hebrew, there's some inferences there in the, in the words, and it, it comes out in the Amplified Bible. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your abundant compensation and your reward shall be exceedingly great. Notice how God revealed himself 
to Abram. He said, I'm your paycheck, man. Now think about it. Abram is going into a covenant with God. If you were going into, a, think of a contract, if you were going into business with someone, you were going into some kind of venture where you're going to sign your name on the line and, and you're going to come into union with someone else, wouldn't you kind of want to know what they're all about? Wouldn't you probably look at financial statements and say, hey, I want to know if you're going to cover your side of the bargain here, your side of the, the agreement, the covenant. You, you, you want to know about that person. Abram is about to come into covenant with God Almighty that he doesn't really know very well. And God is saying, listen, Abram, uh, here I am. I want you to pack up. I'm going to tell you where to go. And we're going to have a covenant. There's going to be an agreement between us. But I want you to know who I am. And he started blessing him and increasing him. And he said, you know what? By the way, Abraham, I am your exceeding great reward. Let's see. Uh, I am your abundant compensation. How many think Abraham got a good deal on this contract? <laughs> He's, God is basically telling him, listen, dude, uh, you want to sign. You totally want to enter this covenant because, uh, yeah, you're going to be well off if you come into covenant with me. But God wanted to know. Amen. I think that's gracious of him. I mean, he's God. I think he could just say, hey, dude, submit, man. And he said, listen, here's who I am. Here's who I want to be in your life. This is the way I think. This is the way I reward. This is the way I will walk with you. Now, you ready to cut a covenant with me? Everything you have is mine and everything I have is yours. Oh, what a gracious God to let us know what we're getting into. If you've, if you, listen, there are people that have stayed away from God because they think they believe the lie. It's a lie of the devil that their life is going to go down if they submit to Jesus. They believe the lie that, man, if you give your life to the Lord, your life's going to be pathetic and miserable and you're not going to be happy. You're not going to be able to do anything fun and you're just going to be a miserable life. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Listen, you know the one telling you that? is the one Jesus revealed to us and said he is a thief. He has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. The, the person who thinks they're going to sell their soul to the devil and live large is, is believing a lie. He will eventually clean out everything you have and take your life from you. But if you'll give your life to Jesus, if you'll give your heart to the, to the Most High, to El Shaddai, He wants to be your abundant supply and nourish and satisfy and fill your life with every good thing. And it starts here, it starts now in this life, in this time on planet earth, and it continues in eternity where He will continue to pour out His love and grace upon us in the ages to come. He just is bigger than we've ever comprehended, and He wants to be that in us. Yeah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I, I, I tell you, I, I know there will always be small people with, who squabble about small things, and they have like a, you know, a contentious spirit and small faith, and they'll never do anything big for God. They'll just want to criticize those, and they just want to judge the heart and the motive of other people. But I'm staying with the Lord, and I'm staying with His Word, and I'm saying, Lord, don't let me stand in the way with my small thinking. Help me to believe and understand and grow in my knowledge of You as who You truly are. Amen. He wants to be that in us today. Praise God. 
as, we, as you finish out your day, maybe you need to go out tonight if it's a clear sky and say, Lord, you're a big, big God. Maybe we need to meditate on some of these verses and read them over and over again. All sufficiency and all things and abundance for every good work. So that we start living and speaking and praying on a whole nother level. So that we start opening ourselves up big and wide. I, I tell you, our, our heart here and uh, our, 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 our vision, our goal for what God wants to do is bigger than I can handle. It's bigger uh, than, than, I can, than I can provide or finance or anything like that. We're a part of something uh, that God wants to do in us and through us. I know I said to, this couple, to you this a couple weeks ago, and I, uh, I said, hey, we need, we need lots more millionaires in here. And lots of people volunteered. And, and uh, I appreciate your willingness. And, uh, and, uh, but on a serious note. On a serious note, if God, God can't use me in something that, hey, I can't give what I don't have. I'm not talking about someone just being materialistic. That's, that's totally wrong. But I can't give what I don't have. You can't be a blessing to someone else with something you don't have. Yeah. Amen. I've said this before. I'll say it again. You, you know, you can't give a car away that you don't have. Well, if someone needs one, God wants to use you to give them one. Well, you have to have it. In other words, we, t- we take certain things off the table if we don't have it. And if our belief system is fostering that, small, limited, don't have anything, don't have anything extra, then we limit the move of God in our lives. I want to take the lid off and say, let's stop thinking that way and let's think on a God level. Amen. Because it's going to take lots of, lots of big faith and big believing and generosity to reach the masses that God has called us to reach. And we're going to do it. Amen. Amen. He expanded my heart just about, I don't know, three, four, five days ago on this. Maybe I'll tell you about it soon. But I grew inside again for our church. And uh, here we go. (laughs) Good, good things are going to happen. Amen. We're going to be right in the middle.